0: David Hopper is back in the house. Amen. David, come on up. (laughs) David and Elisa are with us once again today, and he's going to share part four on uh, equipping Christ followers. And uh, man, it's good to have you back. Oh, thank you. All right. Been missing you. That's (laughs) good. And uh, we get to Skype on Tuesdays, and so I get to keep up, but we're just glad to have him back to share with you. Everybody say, God bless you, man. God bless you. Thank you. You guys are sweet. Good night. See so you guys. <laughs> is, um, I was I was talking to the last, the first service, and was telling them that we have been on a journey. I, if if you're new, by the way, uh, we're planning a church in Fresno, Clovis area called Valley Friends Church, and so we've been on a journey. The last four or five weeks, I have met with over a hundred people with just one-on-one having coffee. Uh, everyone at Panera and Starbucks knows my name. Which is funny, but it has been a wild, wild time, and we came early <laughs> on this trip to speak, and um, came about three or four days early just to to rest and to recoup from this last this last month and a half or so, because it has been it has been wild. And last night I couldn't sleep; I was thinking through just all the different stuff that's going on, and so. At middle of the night, I just said, I give up. And so I get up and I just go to the beach and I, I'm sitting on the beach in the middle of the night, which I'm sure is safe. But um, I'm, and it's surprising how many lights there are on the beach at night. It was weird uh, how much, just how bright it is. And so I'm, I'm watching the waves and I'm writing in my journal, all the reasons why you should never go into ministry. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds super depressing, but it's just something I'm like, you know, they tell you uh, they tell you that when you're starting ministry. They say, you know, if you can do anything else, you should do it. And you, they never tell you why. And I realize that. They never say why. They just say, if you can do anything else, then do it. I know why now. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write my next book. It's going to be all the reasons why you should never go into ministry. It's going to be a really depressive book, but I think it'll sell well. Anyway, uh, as I'm writing it. I'm just thinking about different faces that keep popping in my mind. This is why it wouldn't be that depressing, because the the good outweighs the bad. And I was thinking about a young girl. Uh, last week, I was talking to her on Monday, and she, she was in prison when I'm talking to her. And she was in my high school group uh, a long time ago as a youth, and um, just going through it, and she had some issues with a husband and, Long story short, just God is putting in my head that she's going to be one of our evangelists, which is odd, right, since she's in jail. But she's getting out, and I'm just talking to her, and I was telling her, well, you know, in a couple weeks, we have a a neighborhood blitz, and I want you to lead it because you just, God has given you a heart for this. And she's so excited and going to be leading our evangelism, even though she's in prison on assault. Anyway, and then I was thinking of another person who is in our leadership, and she's a senior adult pastor, and i thinking about her and how she came, when she first was talking to me, she, she had been out of work, and she left uh, another church, and she came to me looking for a job, which is so funny, because I go, you realize we have no money, Right. But She's like, I want to be your senior adults pastor. And I said, well, to be honest with you, I would never hire a senior adults pastor. And I always say that to everyone, by the way. It's sort of my opening line. I would never hire you to do what you're saying. Because we have this really weird sort of um, church issue where we hire people to maintain ministry. And people come to the church, and they're looking at the menu of options, of ways to get involved. And they sign up for, okay, I want to be doing this and this. And they have enough for my kids, and they have this activity, and they have a men's and women's and on and on. And I'm just like, honestly, I would never hire anyone to do that, to maintain the status quo. But I would give you a lot of money, talking to this person, if you would go out and be got in the streets. If you would go to every single adult home and go to every single, um, what are those things called, retirement communities and assisted living communities, if you would go there and you would start Bible studies there and you would go to every funeral home and be available to them, I'd pay you a lot. And so she agreed, which was surprising. She said, I'm in. And so she's been with me, and this last, a week from last Friday, she brought 25 new seniors to the service. And I'm like, wow, I'm actually going to have to pay this person. <laughs> she's really outdoing it. It was incredible. And I say the same to all the student ministries I feel the same way about, and these other ministries I feel the same way about. There's just a um, equipping the Christ follower is really taking this book and saying, you know what? I think I'll just read it. It's strange that we've been given this playbook about life that gives us the details of exactly what we're supposed to be doing on a daily basis and says to us, if you will read it, I will tell you that you were created with a unique design. In fact, I put a spiritual gift within you that says that you have something that will supercharge your life in this world, and you'll actually be more effective if you can hone in on what that is. Not a talent, not a passion, but an actual gift from God that's inside of you, and 95% of people don't know what it is. And then he says, I'm going to give you some basic habits that if you would follow these habits, your life will be totally different. You will feel the power of God around you. You will actually know what God's doing with your life. You will sense it. But in our busyness, somehow we have forgotten that, and we don't even bas- we don't even read it, and it's it's sitting in most of our homes. I was thinking uh, a couple years ago, I'm watching the ESPN, which isn't that rare. And I'm watching it, and they're talking about a guy going to jail in the NFL. Surprising. And he says, well, you, do you think, you think you'll ever get a job with another NFL team again? And the other guy says, yeah, he will, because he'll find Jesus in jail. And then when he finds Jesus, he'll come out a changed man, and then some team will take a chance on him. And I'm watching this going, now this is strange, On so many levels. First of all, they're making fun of Jesus. I get it. They're making fun of this idea that, yeah, we'll make this change and all of a sudden my life will be changed. On the other hand, they understand that Jesus causes life change. And they understand that you can be a new person. Now they're making fun of it, but they're still understanding that it makes you a new person. I'm looking at that going, how interesting. That we know that there's something that Christ is supposed to be doing inside of us that's supposed to be causing a change. No matter you go to church or not, you know that. And then I'm watching TV last week and there's a new show called Utopia. Anybody watched that? Good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's one of the dumbest shows I've ever watched. And I'll watch it to the end. I don't know why, but it's so, it's so weird to me that the show after show after show comes up talking about the same concept of that life's supposed to be different. If we could just do it different from the beginning, and then they throw 20 of the most different people possible in the same little small space and say, all right, create utopia, which throughout history, that's not how you started civilizations. It was usually a breaking away. Let's not go all there. It's a history lesson. But the world has a sense that there's something that's supposed to be different. The world has a sense that there is a change that is supposed to happen when we have Christ. And yet, when we say, oh, oh, you're right, here it is, we won't take the time, even as Christians, to open it up and do the basic habits that God has called us to. I've narrowed it down to 10, funny enough, narrowed it down to 10 basic habits that if we just did those, if we just did these 10 your life would never be the same. And if we did them on a daily basis, you would feel the power of God surging through you on a daily basis. And you say, God is so far away, and I don't feel him. I'm not really sure about this God thing. That's because you don't do what he says. The the basic things he says. Let me give you one. I call it cleansing your hands. Cleansing your hands. At the end of services, Pastor Larry, myself, and Carlos are usually at the back shaking your hands on the way out. You don't know this, but about 20 times I usually run to the bathroom and wash my hands because I'm not sure where your hands have been. I'm a little nervous. I'm sorry. You're all very clean. You all look wonderful. But you might be sick. You might have just wiped your nose or changed a diaper. I don't know. I'm not going to say anything. I'm a nice guy. And by the way, this is bad because... The last service, no one wanted to shake my hands. they were leaving. <laughs> I felt really, really, st- yeah, anyway. But I run to the bathroom at least 20 times and just wash my hands just in case. Why? Because I don't want to get sick. I don't like being sick. And sickness passes so quickly through the human body and touch. And so thinking through that concept of why we cleanse our hands, why we wash our hands, because we want to get the sickness off of us. And we want to do that daily. I mean, several times a day, we want to continue to do that. The Bible speaks of that same subject all over the place. He calls it repentance. It's not something you do once when you accept Christ. It's actually something you're supposed to do on a daily basis. You come before God and you repent of your sins. It's like he knows you're probably going to sin more than once in your entire life. You're probably going to sin more than once today. So just cleanse your hands on a daily basis, which means come before me and just repent of sin. It's a basic habit that we forget. We do do it. It comes up once in a while, but we forget it so often. James chapter 4, it speaks about the the heart of a man, the heart of of where we are, and it says in this verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's harsh. It's very harsh. In fact, the texture of the whole scripture right there, uh, it's even harsher. Well, we'll We'll talk about it at the end. But the point is this. You're a unique masterpiece created by God, but you're going to struggle on a daily basis. So when you talk about equipping the Christ follower, do this. Do what he says to do on a daily basis, and you'll be equipped. One of those things, just one, is to repent on a daily basis. Cleanse your hands, because if that sickness continues to grow, you get a little bit sicker and sicker and sicker. Wash our hands. When we talk about washing our hands, there's several things he talks about. He talks about washing our hands of quarrels in our life, which is talking about fighting. You're going to have struggle with other human beings. So in Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 13, he talks about this very subject of washing our hands of quarreling. He talks about washing our hands of lust for the things that we do not own. In Matthew 5, 27 through 29, he speaks of you're going to be wanting things that you probably shouldn't. Wash your hands of that. It'll be a struggle. He talks about washing your hands of wrong motives. Matthew 6, 1 through 6, James 4, 10. Wrong motives. We do things sometimes with wrong motives. Wash your hands and repent of it. He talks about washing our hands of things that we have said about a brother or sister. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Things that we have said we should be repenting of. Washing our hands of the times we didn't follow through on something for God. Meaning there's going to be times in which we step up and say, God, I'm in. I'm in. I want this. In fact, throw that one up. Let me read it. I want to do this, but I'm going to struggle. Jeremiah 29:11. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. God is saying, I have a plan for you. We say, I'm in, God. I want your plan. We leave this place and we have lunch and forget that we ever said that. We need to repent of that on a daily basis. And if we will, guess what we'll do? We'll step back and say, oh yeah, I do want his plan for my life. Why does he call us to these basic habits? Because it will remind us to step back and say, oh yeah, God, I'm in. I want this. This is a new day, and it's time to equip ourselves as Christ followers. And it's not even that hard. It's just following the basic habits that God has called us to. In Hosea chapter 2, we find a story about Israel falling away from Christ. Actually, probably 40 years of them falling away from Christ. And they did this over and over But the point that he calls them all the time is, this is my bride. He's talking about Israel. Later he talks about the church. But right now, in Hosea and several other parts of the Old Testament, he's saying, Israel is my bride. One of the worst things that your bride could do or your mate could do is infidelity. They cheat on you. It breaks your heart. And we have a tendency to... Throw it out, which is fine. This is a whole nother sermon. But, you know, we, we just give up on it. But God, over and over, shows us this faithfulness, incredible faithfulness. Israel is worshiping Baal in Hosea chapter 2. They're worshiping another God. I mean, talk about cheating on your first love. They're worshiping someone else. Yet God stays faithful. But what does he ask them to do? in that faithfulness. Because his hand of blessing had been pulled away. And as soon as his hand of blessing was pulled away, they immediately realized, oh, wait a minute. I now realize that we've made a horrible error. And God says, okay, I will pour out my blessing on you again. But you have to do something. What do you think it is? Cleanse your hands. Forgiveness. Repent. Over and over The Israel example to us is this repentance. And then the church, who he also calls the bride later, the church, which is not this building, it's you and I. We are the church. And he says, I want you to cleanse your hands daily. I want you to repent and remember your first love. In your notes, I give you some simple application. It's a list right there. It's a list with a dash. What I want you to do with this, when we talk about equipping, I'm going to give you an actual tool here to equip yourselves. I want you to put the list next to your bed. And every night, look at the list. Now, this list, you may recognize it. It's called the seven deadly sins. It comes straight out of Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. It says this, There are six things which the Lord hates, Yes, seven which are an abomination to him, Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. The deadly sins, the seven deadly sins, which is an odd, odd sort of thought because when you look at them, pride, envy, anger, you're like, deadly? I mean, they're bad, but I mean, I don't know about deadly. I have some anger sometimes. It's not really deadly. I, I have a little bit of pride. Isn't that, that's good, right? I mean, we, we joke about pride. Envy, I'm a little bit of envy. I mean, that guy's house is a little bit bigger than mine. I like his yard. But deadly? Why is it deadly? There's this game out. You might know it. It's called Minecraft. My kids play it about 36 hours of the day. And there's this thing on there. It's called Creepers. And these are the lamest enemy in any game I've ever played. They're just, they, I mean, they're easy to kill. They walk around very slowly, and so you can easily turn and go, boop, you're dead. That's, it's that simple. This game just sold for $2.6 billion, by the way. I don't know how, but I'm in the wrong business because this is the lamest game I've ever seen. You're just sitting here building up stuff. I mean, it's awesome. I like it. I mean, if, of all the games my kids will play, they're building something, right? But there's these creepers that just creep around, and I'm like, those enemies, they're so easy to kill. How do you die? How do you ever die? But they do. Why? Because they're building something, and they're like, oh, they kill the enemy. They're building something, and they kill the enemy, and then they, they get a little sidetracked with building, and all of a sudden walk around a corner like, oh, and then they die because the creeper gets them. And I thought, hmm, sermon analogy. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> because that's, that is exactly what the seven deadly sins are. It's that little crack in the dam. It's not that big a deal. Most of those cracks we don't even fix. But the crack slowly slips. and gets a little bit bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, the tipping point, there's no holding back the water and the dam that breaks and all the destruction that happens after it. It's an amazing sort of thought that we could have easily fixed the crack But once the dam breaks, all hell breaks loose. Seven deadly sins are creepers. They're creeping into your life on this very slow basis, and it creeps, and it creeps, and you forget about it, and all of a sudden you turn the corner, and bam, your life has just been devastated by something, and you can't even figure out what it is. But your life is like, man, I don't know what went wrong but my life is jacked up because there was this creeper that you never took care of. Listen to the creepers. Pride. It's this high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct, etc. We joke about this one. That's how much we don't really think of it as a bad thing. It's just a high opinion of ourselves. We have, you know, shows about someone with a little bit of a high opinion of themselves, and we laugh because it just creeps in and starts to devastate everything. Envy, this feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another's advantage, success, possessions, etc. It's hard to drive around here and not have this one creep in. It's weird coming from Fresno to here. I'm, I'm serious. It is weird because you're looking around going, man, there's a lot of people with yachts. I don't really get that. That's weird. And I want one. I don't know why. It sounds like a lot of maintenance. It's weird, but that envy, that creeper just creeps and creeps and creeps. And all of a sudden, it's devastating because you start giving up other things for it. Anger, a strong feeling of displeasure and belligerence aroused by a wrong or a wrath or ire. Lust, this intense sexual desire or appetite. Sloth. Laziness, procrastination, delaying crucial decisions, inordinate attention to insignificant things, you know, like playing Minecraft for 36 hours. (laughs) But procrastination is really the one there. How often we sort of put it off, put it off, put it off. We do it with this all the time, right? And then all of a sudden, we don't know what happened. It's a creeper. Gluttony, the overindulgence in a physical pleasure, addictive behavior, seeking comfort or escape in a physical pleasure, moving past moderation in anything, greed, the excessive or rapacious desire, especially for wealth or possessions. So here's the application. Before you go to bed, you've got this next to your bed. And I'm sure one won't do it. So you might want a journal. And every night, this is the journal I use. Every night, you just write, which one of these did I struggle with today? At first, it's probably all seven, right? But after a while, it'll be one, it'll be two. But if you were to do that, if you actually did it five minutes, five minutes before bed, imagine what would happen each day knowing that it's coming, knowing that that creeper, knowing the creeper on a daily basis and what they are. Because the night before, you talked about how, oh man, I struggle with that again. Again. Oh, man, I struggle with that again. You could go a month struggling with the same thing, but if you kept keeping it on the forefront of your mind, say, I'm not going to let this creeper get into my life. I'm not. I'm going to cleanse my hands. I'm going to wash my hands because that keeps me healthy. That keeps me from sickness. That turns into death. If we do that, that one habit, we will be miles ahead of most will be envious of the. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's so important. James 4, 7 says, Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. This has to be one of the most depressing verses of the entire Bible where it says I want you to mourn. I want your laughter to be turned into mourning. Why would God say that? What what, what is he talking about? But in the context he's saying stop laughing about this stuff. These things that creep into your life that will kill you. I want you at night or whenever to think about these things and cry over them and then repent because you have left your first love. It's not a joke. It's not something to laugh at. It will kill you. And I want you to stop laughing. I want you to mourn because every night you still have something you have to write down that you're struggling through of the seven deadly sins, which I told you would kill you if you don't fix them. That's how serious he is about this. Equipping the Christ follower. Mission possible. It starts by washing our hands daily. The one habit of ten. Now for the next ten hours, I'm going to give you the next nine. I'm kidding. I don't have time. I don't have time to give you all ten of them, but I did write a book. So I'm going to sell you a book, which is weird. I've never done it before in a sermon. But only reason I'm doing it is because 100% of the proceeds from this goes to Valley Friends Church. It's going to the church plant that you guys are supporting. So, uh, And specifically, actually, uh, it's going to buy a video camera. And this camera is going to allow us to do live streaming of our services because we're trying to reach the entire valley. So we're thinking outside the box of how to do that. This camera, apparently incredibly expensive, but allows us to get there. And so whatever you give for these books goes to that. And in here, there are 10 steps closer to God, 10 basic habits God's called you to. You've done one already. So chapter, you, can, you can buy a book knowing you've already done chapter one, which is kind of nice. But if you would add one a week, just add one of these for the next 10 weeks, you will be dramatically closer to God. And if you would put these in your life and ply them, well, I wouldn't give it to you unless I really loved you and I really care for you. And so it's something that I, I want you guys to have. And the other nine are way more positive, by the way. Only the first one's kind of negative because it's all about repentance. The next nine actually supercharges the way you live. So on your way out, I say they're $10, but if you want to give more, like if you want to go 100 or or 1000 that's fine. Uh, it all goes towards the church and allows us to do... Hopefully, live streaming. Let me pray for you. God, I do thank you for this family. Thank you for this church, a group of people who are seeking to grow closer to you. So they are coming here week after week, studying your word, spending time with you, praying to you, trying to add these habits. God, thank you that there are, there are those that know that you have given us a unique design and love you and are returning to their first love. I do pray that you would bless them, protect them, guide them. I pray for Pastor Larry and Carlos and the rest of the staff as they lead. I pray you would bless them and bless this place. In Jesus' name, amen.